Thanks, guys. As you can't tell by the high schoolers back there giving me a, I am the youth pastor here at New Hope. Um, and that's part of why I'm, I'm speaking today is because I'm the youth pastor. We're talking, we've been going through the sermon series, My Crazy Family, and we're talking about family. And this one is about countercultural parenting, but I'm not a parent. Um, but I am the youth pastor. I spend a ton of time around teenagers. Um, and I don't want to offend anyone here, but I'm, I'm a bit younger than most of you parents here. And so I want to be kind of a bridge for you guys. Um, I want to be someone who can kind of bridge that gap between where teenagers are today and where you guys might be. And uh, we, we, what we really want from this, while we're going through the sermon series, what we want is we want healthy families. And in technology, we often see it ripping joy away from young people and really even people older than that. But it's, it's a whole different world today. The bully that you had in middle school, the, that person who just wouldn't leave you alone, well, nowadays she can follow you home because she's just commenting on your Instagram the whole time. And you wake up to notifications from this person who's bullying you. Um, nowadays, when you didn't get inv invited to a birthday party, that sucked. But nowadays, when you don't get invited to that birthday party, you see on Instagram, you see on Facebook the pictures of just everyone, all the fun everybody had. And, Oh, hey, look, look who was invited, and I wasn't. You, you see all of that. There's so much negative out there. You see the cruel comments. Then there's the comparison game of, oh, well, look how great their life is. I mean, I've, I know I've played that. I was 26, not married, not in the, my field at all, and uh, living with my roommate, Johnny, who is an interesting character, and looking at seeing everybody I graduated college with, they're all in ministry, they're all doing the awesome, and what am I doing? We, we play that game. There's not getting as many likes as our last post did. Maybe I'm not as popular as I used to be. And then there's the access that people have today. I mean, a 10-year-old today has access to more about what's going on in the world than a 50-year-old did 30 years ago. I mean, there's so much out there. I can know what's going on in rural provinces in China and see all the bad, and that's flooding into the eyes and ears of young people today. And it's not a big surprise that depression and anxiety are up. And then there's just the access to all of the horrible, despicable, terrible things, videos, images, stories that are on the internet. It's, it's crazy. But it's impossible to deny the good of technology as well. I mean, one of the best parts of marrying Hannah, at least according to my extended family, is now they know what I'm up to. Because Hannah posts on Facebook. And so the 50 or 60 Dempseys that are spread out over the Western United States, they all know what's going on in my life. And that's cool. That's a blessing. Honestly, without the internet, I wouldn't be at New Hope. I, met, I came to New Hope through Hannah, and I met Hannah through a dating app. So coffee meets bagels is why I'm here. Whether you think that's a good thing or not, I don't know, but I think it's good. I like it. Um, I mean, Snapchat has given me a way to directly connect into the lives of teenagers. That's how I communicate with them. They don't text anymore. It's Snapchat. Um, but... We can do so much. My iPhone has let me airdrop an ebook to a kid who's struggling against pornography, and it lets me text him and send him messages through the week and let me pray for him when he needs prayer. But technology isn't just a young people's problem. It's really, it's completely changed the world we live in. It's not just teens, it's not just young people, it's everyone. Social media, internet access, cell phones, just technology in general plays a bigger role in, tech, in our lives and in our culture than it ever has in the history of the world. But this generation, the generation that is in high school right now, 18 and under, is the first generation to really grow up immersed in the internet. 
And my first slide is, they are digital natives. This is their world. But if they're natives, then what we need to be is we need to be missionaries to them. So my wife, lovely woman, uh, one flaw, she grew up in Iowa. Um, she <laughs> so I, if I go out to my wife like I do just about every June and I complain about how horrible your guys' weather is, and it's just, I mean, it's so hot. I mean, I showered this morning. I feel like my hair is still wet. I just haven't dried off. It's so warm. And then, I mean, what's there to do? I mean, I, you can only hang out in the cornfield for so long. But, <laughs> but if I go to my wife and do that and I just trash talk Iowa, which I do more than I should, admittedly. But if I trash talk Iowa too much, I've done two things to my wife. First of all, it was, I've told her that where she's from is a bad place, and by extension, a little bit of who she is is bad. And what I've done is I've lost the opportunity, the right, and the privilege to communicate with her in a positive way about Iowa. So if I trash talk Iowa, and then I go say, hey, we should go on a day trip somewhere near Iowa City, what's she going to say? She's going to say, you don't really want to do that. You hate Iowa. Um, so let's talk technology. It's the same way with technology. Your kids grew up in Iowa, most of them, but they also grew up digitally. They are digital natives, regardless of your smartphone rules, regardless of your internet rules, regardless of all of that, they are digital citizens. I mean, they do homework online. Everything they do is online, and it's increasingly going that way. So if you come in and you trash everything about the internet, and you say the internet's garbage, everything on there's trash, it's just hurtful. I mean, how they used to do it, my day's better. I mean, if you trash talk them because, oh, back in my day, we used to use a Rand McNally Road Atlas, and you can just plug it into Google Maps. Like, then what you're doing is you're doing those same two things. You're saying that where they're from is bad, and by extension, a little bit of who they are is bad, and you're losing the opportunity, the privilege, and the right to communicate, them, communicate with them in a positive way about technology. So the idea of being a missionary is not going in like a conqueror, like a colonialist and saying, oh, this is mine now. It's going in and engaging the culture. I'd like you to challenge you to try and kind of figure out and understand their culture because it's different than yours. When you understand where people are at, you can be helpful and reaching in rather than someone coming in and declaring war, being angry about their way of life. Now, what this doesn't mean is you don't need to agree with everything that happens. You don't need to rubber stamp every technological innovation and say, oh, everything on the Internet's fair game. Go for it. That's not what I'm saying. Do not hear that. There is bad happening in technology and because of the misuse of technology. You are allowed to and you are called to be against that. But try and understand why stuff happens, what is happening. What this does mean is just because your generation did it differently than this generation, doesn't mean that this generation's doing it bad. Learn from them. You use them, interact with them, have discussions with them. Make the young people in your life feel like they have something to offer as far as technology. Uh, Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Ephesians 6.4 says, Father, do not provoke your children by the way you treat them, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. How could changing how you approach this culture change your interactions with kids these days? So we're supposed to be missionaries, but that means we need to go out and we need to do things. This generation, really all of us, we tend to be passive. That's your next fill in the blank. 
They are passive, and they're passive consumers. But that means we need to be intentional. How we interact with people needs to be intentional. It's, it's scary out here. Um, as, a, as, a, as a youth leader, there's just, I spend a lot of time researching culture, a lot of times researching technology, all of that. And let me just share a little bit about what's out there. The average age that a young man first encounters pornography is 11. That's the average age. So that means there's kids as young as 8, 9, 10 who are finding porn online. And odds are you haven't had that talk because you think that talk doesn't need to happen until 12, 13, 14, 15. But 11 is the first age, the average age. 60% of students surveyed in the United Kingdom said that um, they used pornography to educate themselves about sex. Naturally, kids have questions. Where do you go for answers? The internet. The internet does not have the answers that your kids need, but it could be where they're searching. It's not just sex out there. There's drugs. Drugs are a huge issue. They always have been with youth. Let's be honest about that. Um, when I was in high school, I graduated in 2008, so I didn't graduate... I'd like to think not that long ago. Um, and for us, when, how I understood it worked um, is when you needed to get drugs in high school, like it was a matter of having the right sketchy friends and going to the right car in the far corner of the high school parking lot. That was how it was done. Nowadays, there are people in my contacts that I could Snapchat and say, hey, can you bring something by today? Not going to do that, not intending to do that. But if your youth pastor has access to drugs that easily, what access do your, your young people have? What access do young people today have? It is a crazy different world out there. Um, and then there's just the effect technology has on the brain. It's, a, it's, it's so crazy. Um, there's been a lot of studies done with young, young kids. And they say that if kids are in the same room as a television or as a screen they tend to change how they play. They play less intently, and they play for not as long. It changes how they just engage. It changes if they're in a room playing and mom's on an iPad, it changes how they interact with their parents because parents are less accessible. And then when they actually do spend time in front of a screen, what it's really doing is it can build a foundation for addiction. We're going to talk a little bit. I'm going to get a little sciency here for a minute. But... Addiction is often caused by dopamine. Dopamine is a pleasure chemical. It's what makes us feel happy. It's created by God. It is a good thing. Dopamine is what connects us to our spouse during sex. Dopamine is what causes a runner's high that people who exercise say exists. I have not experienced it. I mostly just feel pure agony when I exercise, but they say there's that natural euphoria when you run. Um, it's what, when we eat delicious food, it's that feeling. But dopamine also comes during social interaction. When we have a good social interaction, when we connect with somebody and have a good discussion, we get a hit of dopamine. When, honestly, when you see a smiling baby, when you see people laughing, you get that hit of dopamine. And so social media, television, video games, all of these use, cause us to overuse, overuse and over-rely on that dopamine hit. The problem, honestly, is overstimulation. So I'm supposed to get a hope, hit of dopamine when I see a smiling baby. I mean, that's what God uses to keep sinful, sinful people changing diapers for the third, fourth, fifth time a day. Because you get that dopamine rush when you see them and they're smiling. But when I have a dopamine stimulator in my pocket and it goes off 
every 30 seconds with a notification or a post or something, and that gives me that little hit, then, then I become addicted to it. I'm always looking for the next hit of dopamine. Video games are honestly, they use this. Video game designers know about how dopamine works in our body, and what they do is you get a hit of dopamine when you accomplish a task. It's what's supposed to happen. It's why we go to work, because we enjoy doing things. We enjoy getting things done. Well, so if I'm a video game designer, I set it up so that if I'm playing Fortnite, every time I build a tower, I get that hit of dopamine because I've accomplished a task. Every time I'm in a close battle and I squeeze it out and I win, I get a hit of dopamine. When I win the whole match and I'm the only one left standing, there's a big rush of dopamine. Well, what am I gonna do next? I'm going to play again because I want to chase that feeling. And it does not last. That's the problem. How dop dopamine is actually the same chemical that we get when we drink. When you drink, you get that hit of dopamine. That's why people enjoy drinking. When you drink too much, you get a huge blast of dopamine, and it's what makes you feel that euphoric, buzzed feeling. But as we all know, that doesn't last, and so we keep on chasing it. It makes us lose control. Ephesians 5.18 talks about the dangers of alcohol. God knew, knew this. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but be, because that will, sorry, I lost it here, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled by or controlled with, controlled by the spirit. The way that alcohol influences our brain is the same way that technology, that social media, that video games influence our brain. We are overstimulating our dopamine pathways and then we lose control. Nothing else matters to us except getting that next pleasure reward. And so one of the problems when we use technology is that we so often use it in a passive way. It's second nature to us and honestly to the kids these days, to our kids, it's first nature. Like that's just how they live. And so we, we got the apps for a good reason. We got apps so that we could connect with family who lives far away. We got the app so that we can see pictures of the wedding we went to last week. We got it for a good reason, but then we start using it and it becomes addictive. We keep on seeking that pleasure. And so we crave that dopamine rush. We end up doing things like checking our phone 20 times during dinner without even realizing it. You pick it up to check the time and you end up spending 10 minutes later, you're on Facebook and you don't know what time it is, but you know you weren't supposed to be doing this. Um, it's what causes us to watch our iPad while we're watching Netflix, while our kids are playing games on their tablet. We, we do that so often because we're allowing ourselves to passively consume. And we allow the young people in our lives to passively consume. And that robs us of living intentional lives that bring glory to God. And it robs us of just the little joys in life from just the regular moments. Your kids, and really probably you too, will willingly consume just about any media you put before us. We don't think twice before downloading the next app or watching that next YouTube video or watching Twitch for 26 hours a day. You, but you, you parents especially, but those of you who don't have kids living at home, grandparents, just mentors, aunts, uncles, you are the ones who need to help them because they don't know how to help themselves. We, We've kind of raised them up in this, so it's hard for them to get out without help. They need you, and they need you to help them out. We need to give them intentional opportunities to be 
conscious consumers rather than just being unconscious zombies. We need to give them the tools they need so that they can be discerning and critical about what they consume and how much. But this doesn't happen by accident. It's hard work, and a big part of the reason it's hard work is because technology is always changing. So that brings us to our next point. They have the knowledge, but they need wisdom. Your kids will almost always know more about technology than you do. If you've got young kids, that might not be true yet, but it will be soon. I mean, honestly, I'd give, my, I'd give a three-year-old an iPad and expect them to be able to do more with it than if I give my grandma an iPad. Love the lady, she tries, bless her heart, but iPads are just not, she's not in technology all the time. Whereas young kids have literally grown up in it. That's the world they grew up in. Um, but they're not always wise, so they might have the knowledge, but they don't have the wisdom. Wisdom, I've heard wisdom explained this way. This is my favorite, most memorable definition for wisdom. Knowledge is knowing how to start a fire. Wisdom is knowing you shouldn't start a fire in your sister's hair. <laughs> Knowledge is knowing how to start a fire, but wisdom is knowing when and where a fire is appropriate and helpful. Fire in the right way can be very helpful. Fire in the wrong way can be very destructive. And so we need to be wise with technology. And wisdom can come from two places. Wisdom comes from the Lord. Wisdom comes from knowing him and being in relationship with him. Knowing what is important to him and what he loves so that we can encourage that in the people in our lives. That means when we're wise, we're coming from a place of truth and grace and love and honesty. When we're not, when our wisdom doesn't come from the Lord, it comes from a place of anger and shame and malice and hurt. Wisdom also comes from experience. And this is the place I want to kind of really encourage you guys is Technology can be really scary. We don't know a lot about it. We, we get confused because we finally caught up and they're like, oh, everyone's on Facebook and now all the kids are through Facebook and now they're on Instagram and it's hard to keep up. But the reality is, it's all about people. The things that your kids need are the same things that you need. The same things that you needed growing up. You need love. You need encouragement. You need a place where you feel safe and at home. You need people around you. You need community. And regardless of what smartphone or whatever is in my pocket, that doesn't change. So you can do that. You can be that for them. You can give them those things that they need without really needing to understand technology as much as they do. No, that's not a free pass to ignore it. If you're a parent, you better know what apps they have on their phone. But you need but ultimately, it's about people. Social media is about people. It's not just technology, it's about them. They're going to Instagram for what? What are they seeking there? What is the reward? What do they crave that they are not getting? And how can you help them there? Um, so where do we get wisdom from? James 1.5 says that if we, if we seek wisdom, we can ask God and he will give us wisdom. Proverbs 11.14 talks about there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Ask others. Interact with other people. Interact with other parents. Interact with people who are younger, who understand technology. Um, we actually, on that back table right there, there's a, a short, just half sheet, and it just describes what social media apps are out there right now, a little bit about them, and what to be concerned about them. 
and then some concerns about privacy, how you can just be a wise parent. That's one resource. Read about it. Um, you need to be wise because your kids, by default, are not. Wisdom is learned. It's not something we're born with. So how do you apply this? Well, knowledge is knowing how to take the perfect picture, put the right filter on it, take a, put a super cute, relevant hash, caption on it, and put all the right hashtags on it. That's not your job to find out. That's not your skill set. Your kids can do it, but you probably can't. But wisdom is giving your 12-year-old girl some, some guidelines there, so that telling her she needs to be careful when she posts. Make sure she doesn't put house numbers in the picture. Make sure they don't ta she doesn't tag her location so that people can find her. Make sure that she doesn't put hashtags so that people can find her and see her even if she has a private profile. That's wisdom. Knowledge is knowing which latest messaging app everyone's on, what they're using, and how quick it all changes. Again, that's not where you're going to be. But wisdom is knowing that 14, 15-year-old boys are going to talk about what 14, 15-year-old boys have talked about when you were in 14 or 15. And equipping your teenager to have those conversations and knowing when they should leave and when they can try and shift the conversation. Knowledge is knowing about how to play Fortnite and being good at, enough, good at it enough to play for hours at a time without throwing your controller through the screen. You're not going to be able to do that. Maybe you can, but probably not. But wisdom is knowing that playing video games for that long is not good for you and having discipline to turn it off and knowing what to do instead. So again, you could be harsh. You could be the person who's just like, hey, video games are bad, stop all of it. But you, when you're a parent, you have the opportunity to teach them something else instead. Give them the wisdom to have their own self-discipline. Give them opportunities to do something else instead. And that brings us to our next point. They are impressionable. They are looking for people to build into their lives. At New Hope, we talk about the power of five, and that's the idea that every young person who's going to stay connected to the church and connected in their relationship is going to have five people in their lives, five adults in their lives who've built into them. And if you've got mom and dad, and that's great, but that's only two of the five. So for all of those here who don't have kids living at home, be one of those kids, one of their five. Build into their lives. They are looking for guidance, they're looking for love, they're looking for encouragement. We're a community here. We talk about you can't do life alone, you need to do life in community, and that goes doubly for parenting. Um, but help provide positivity for them. So on the next slide, we're gonna talk a little bit about what positivity looks like. So the first one is provide opportunities to talk about technology. Provide opportunities for discussion. So this really hinges on the first point about being missionaries. Because if you come in angry and hot and complaining about how crappy technology is, you're not going to be able to have good discussions with people about technology because they're not expecting you to be able to have good discussions because you hate technology in their eyes. But when you're a missionary and not an aggressor, you can challenge them to think critically. One example of this is talking about Snapchat. For those of you who don't know, Snapchat is it's primarily a messaging app, but you can send pictures and text and videos as well. But the whole thing is they disappear quickly. So you could be really angry and be like, nope, 
You're all using that for sending pictures you shouldn't be. You're all using it for sexting. It's all trash. Leave it alone. Or you could have a conversation with it and talk about why Snapchat is so popular. And I think one of the reasons is kids have grown up around perfectly curated internet profiles. They've grown up with ads, with Photoshop models. They've grown up with just the idea that when you're online, you have to be perfect. Your Facebook has to be perfect because that's where mom and dad look for you. So you better not put anything bad there. So Snapchat allows them to be authentic. It allows them to communicate almost in a more authentic, real way than face-to-face -face because you can be yourself because it's going to disappear is the idea. Now, there's problems there because it doesn't disappear. Everything on the Internet's forever. But when you have that conversation, you're understanding a little bit of where they're coming from. And if you're still like, hey, no, the bad doesn't outweigh the good, that is 100%. That might be the right call. But if you've had the conversation first, you get to be a person who they're going to go to and trust. The other another way you can provide positivity is provide opportunities for non-tech time. So again, we've talked about digital natives. They grew up online. They understand technology more than you do. They've lived in it. That's their home. So they're not necessarily going to know how to live life offline. I mean, honestly, this is something I'm going to struggle with as a parent, is I, I don't know how to live life offline. It's hard. So you have to give them opportunities. You can't just, again, yell at them and say, get off your phone, and then just let them sit by themselves for 20 minutes. Like, that doesn't work. Give them opportunities. Have family time where it's non-tech for everyone. That means that even dad's phone goes away and he can answer those work emails later. That might be a challenge for you, but that's what it means. You can't just yell at them about their phone, but encourage them to invite friends over. Take opportunities as a family to go out and do something or just teach them. Because if you don't teach them how to live life offline, their friends definitely aren't going to because they don't know how either. The next opportunity you can do is you can provide positive opportunities for tech use. So being super honest, I, part of the reason I'm teaching this is because I use technology a lot. Everything I did for the sermon was online. I didn't go break out all my old scholarly books just that I have on my bookshelf so I look scholarly. But it's all online and you can use technology for good. When I need to remember a verse that I can't quite think of, I Google it. When I'm reading the Bible on the day-to-day, -day, I don't read it from my MacArthur Study Bible. I read it from my Bible Version app. Technology can be used for good, and when you encourage your kids to do that, you're setting them up for positive. You're setting up those, those traits, those experiences in the future. You're setting them up well for the future, and that's, that's awesome. You could do it as simply as when you're driving on a road trip, they can be the one to find out where the next restaurant you're going to go to is. Let them Google it. Again, they're probably better at it than you are. Um, you can use it for connecting with friends and family. Let your kids show you how to FaceTime grandma so that you can FaceTime her instead of calling her. Let them be contributors to the family by showing you and teaching you things. That's awesome. The, the next two are the kind of obvious ones, but they're so important. You need to po provide positive boundaries to keep your kids safe. You can't just do it. You can't just say, hey, it's a free-for-all, go. We talked about how scary the Internet is, and that's really real. On, again, on that sheet in the back, there's concerns about privacy. Um, 
those are very real. There is a lot of bad stuff out there happening that, that is just, it's hard. It's a whole different world. It's crazy. Um, there are concerns that your 10, 12, 14-year-olds are going to have that I, me and you never had to worry about, and you need to set boundaries to keep them safe. And the last one is you need to be a positive example. This is the one where I really, you can't do it. You can't do the whole do what I say but not what I do thing. If you're checking your phone 30 times over dinner, if you're getting home and you're on the laptop as soon as you get home and you're spending the whole time there from the time you get home to the time you go to bed, you can, you can say whatever you want. But if they see that example, then that's how they're going to live. And again, for those of you who aren't maybe living with someone who's younger, um, it's the same thing. You can be a positive example to them. You can reach out into the lives of young people and really build into their lives in a positive way when you are intentional about technology. And that's what it really comes down to is being intentional. Um, we're going to go ahead and pray here in just a minute and the band can come up. But uh, I just want to encourage you guys. Again, that, we're talking about that five. If you have kids, that's great. If you don't, if you're a grandparent or you're an aunt or an uncle or you just have kids in your lives, be one of their five. Be someone who encourages them and shows them how to live a biblical life, including being intentional about technology. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just come before you and I just, I thank you for this opportunity that you've given me to just share what is on my heart, Lord. Share kind of the dangers and the things we need to be worried about. But I, uh, I pray for these parents, Lord. I pray for these grandparents, for these aunts and uncles. I pray for just the people who are here, that you would just give them opportunities to, to be that positive influence, Lord. Um, and I pray for these young people here, that's just, um, that you would challenge them to live counterculturally, because we know what the culture says, Lord. It's real easy to just go into that naturally and just to live life passively and just let stuff happen. But I pray that you would work in their lives through the encouragement of the people who are in their life, the people older than them, their parents, their grandparents, just mentors, Lord. I pray that you would use them to just be a blessing to these young people, Lord, and give them lives that are different than how the world calls them to live. In your name, amen.